Hi there, I'm AR. Welcome back to the Lore Research Lab. And if you're new here, welcome to the Lore Research Lab, where I ramble about Nintendo video games. This is the 63rd log and the second ranking based on Pokemon Legends Arceus. Today's thesis, what is my opinion on the Hisuian forms, pre-existing Pokemon, new Pokemon altogether, evolutions? How do I feel about this? Because my feelings matter. It's time to deep dive, folks. Alright, so this first kind of preliminary section is, I'm going to try and keep it brief, but it is worth mentioning uh, and discussing at least the topic of regional variants or what it means to have variants in the Pokemon universe. So um, Pokemon Legends Arceus is really going against the grain here. It, but again, it's technically not the first time that the Pokemon franchise has tried something new. Um, there have been notable instances in other generations where we could see them experimenting a little bit. I've, I think I've mentioned this in more than one episode, I might not have, but there are certain games in the Pokemon franchise where even if the game itself was not like, you know, uh, the most monumental release, it wasn't necessarily the most popular, maybe people didn't really like the Pokemon from that game. Usually that game in question it's that phrase of this game needed to walk so the even better game that came after it could run. It's that kind of a thing. And the Pokemon franchise has experienced multiple cycles with that. And I believe Pokemon Legends Arceus is not an exception from that cycle, which is kind of cool because then it's showing that they're still keeping things fresh. They're finding ways to make things interesting. But my broader point here is that it's not the first time we've been introduced to the concept of uh, the concepts of new evolutions or uh, new forms, um, especially or regional variants. So, like you know, between different regions, uh, there will be differences sometimes. That's been a lot more. Uh, it's been more experimented on in more recent games. Um, uh, it's not as it doesn't necessarily date too far back in the timeline of Pokemon games. Um, that kind of a thing. Uh, but anyways, uh, concept of variants, like I've mentioned, it it could, in a way, maybe date as far back as the concept of version exclusives, which only permitted players to catch certain Pokemon depending on the version game they purchased. So it's like, you can only get this legendary Pokemon in this game, and you can only get this just random Pokemon in the wild in this game type of thing. Um, uh, although, kind of as what's also been happening is that the availability of these kind of Pokemon, like I, version exclusivity is not as big of a thing anymore as it used to be in my opinion, because um, the newer games make it a lot easier to catch Pokemon that it's like, the, the Pokemon themselves would not typically share the same space. Like I think Pokemon Sword and Shield is actually a good example of that, where we got a whole a bunch of different Pokemon and things like that, where it's like, this one technically came from these games, and then these ones came from a different set of games, but here they are existing in the same space. Like that, that kind of idea. Although this is a bit more of an argument rather than a fact. And to be completely honest, I might be slightly wrong about this, but I believe the first time we've ever technically had a regional variant was in Pokemon Diamond and Pearl through the uh, through the Pokemon known as Gastrodon, which is this type of sea slug Pokemon. Um, and it has an East Sea version and a West Sea version. So depending on which coast of the region you're in in those games, those are the ones you'll get. They're not version exclusives. It doesn't matter which game you purchase, but it does matter what coast you're on, and that will decide how Gastrodon will appear. The same actually applies to their uh, 
their first stage evolutions, like their first forms known as cellos, they're also the same because they have different colorations. Like they are very distinct color palettes between the two different gastrons. Um, I think I have a bit of a soft spot for the West Sea, but you know what? That's just me. I love Gastrodon. It's a phenomenal Pokemon. Um, but anyways, um, I'd say the concept of regional variants was a lot more prominent in the games known as Pokemon Sun and Moon. Um, and we saw these Pokemon have different typings, abilities, um, and kind of the impression that these things get, like these kind of mechanics give off is sometimes, yes, it can be a little bit gimmicky. And I think I'll mention that more than once. Like that's just something to keep in mind. Sometimes it can be a bit gimmicky, but other times it, it does feel like there's some kind of like biodiversity um, within certain Pokemon species. Um, and I find it personally an interesting concept to explore. I'm not necessarily like a humongous fan of regional variants because in my in my experience at least a lot of them tend to be a bit more on the gimmicky side so then it's just like it's not really adding anything different but then there are some really good pokemon out there where it's like this is a fresh look maybe it's not like the, the strongest pokemon or anything like that but it's like it's just a really cool pokemon they really uh they took a whole new spin on the original pokemon's design kind of thing because that's the other thing with regional variants they're not original pokemon they are a version of a pre-existing pokemon right um so again it's that concept of biodiversity which i do find interesting um but then i guess the question kind of arises is what other purposes would variants have besides just having cool new designs or being a bit gimmicky and fun and stuff like I think sometimes like I said because it can border on being gimmicky it's just a thing that exists like like Alolan Exeggutor I'll link Gastrodon and Exeggutor in the description so you can see how these Pokemon look I'll actually be linking a ton of examples for a lot of different things across this episode because this is not what I would think is as a like a traditional ranking I took a lot of things in context anyways Alolan Exeggutor it's a thing I don't know why it's a dragon type and I kind of understand why it's taller than like the majority of trees sort of because normal Exeggutor is just whatever i don't remember it's it's height it's just like it's got these like three egg-shaped heads and they're all smiling well, not all of them at least one of them is and it's like a walking sentient plant kind of thing i don't know and then it becomes a palm tree as an alolan in its alolan form but it's a dragon type i don't get it i i don't i mean maybe i kind of do but i still really don't um and then there's pokemon like cursula introduced in generation eight which is not so much a regional variant but it is unique to pokemon sword and shield um uh because it's the is it generation seven or eight one of the two i believe it's eight um uh cursula is an alternate form of a pre-existing pokemon known as corsula which greatly resembles cor like coral like in coral reefs um uh that's like corsola is a very basic like water rock type pokemon or is it just rock i forget um it's just a very basic pokemon in terms of its design doesn't have any evolutions and stuff but the evolution of corsola was introduced because of the theme of coral bleaching so it actually has like um uh some i guess uh i don't know there, there's not social, I don't want to say social commentary because I don't think it's quite that, but it's definitely rooted in reality, which is kind of jarring. It's actually really funny because, um, and I'll try and find the original post for this, the, um, the, uh, the Twitter post for this, where someone took a screenshot of 
a text bubble that you see in one of the Generation 3 games. It's probably like Ruby, Sapphire, or Emerald, one of the three. And there is an old man who's sitting on the beach, and he is telling that, like, if you talk to him, if you, as the player, talk to this old man, he will say, don't, like, take care of the waters. It's bad for the Pokemon. Um, and it will really hurt them if we don't take care of the water around us. Like, he's basically saying pollution is bad. But then we've arrived at Generation 8, and it's like, now we have Cursula, and someone made the post where it's like, we didn't listen to him kind of thing. It's like, it's it's kind of it's kind of wild that it's like, you know, that, I don't know, that they, they went for that motif for that specific Pokemon, and it's not necessarily a Pokemon that people, like, love a lot or use a whole lot, or it's not like it's good, and I'm not saying that if a Pokemon isn't good, it does not warrant having another form or evolution. I'm just saying it's like, it's an interesting choice, right? But then of course you also have like different forms, less so about regional variants, but just variants in general. Like the primal legendaries introduced in Pokemon Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire. Um, again, with Ruby, Sapphire, and Emerald, they got, well, not Emerald, but uh, Ruby and Sapphire got remade for the 3DS in 2014. And the legendary Pokemon of these games got different forms that are actually reversions to what they are like what they're supposed to like supposed to originally look like so we have primal groudon primal kyogre and mega rayquaza although technically it's a primal form as well it's called mega rayquaza canonically but it is still actually technically a primal pokemon um and uh um like i don't know it's just interesting because it's like these legendary Pokemon have returned to their original forms as part of their own mythology. So forms can also essentially function in a way where there's like a storytelling element or a lore element to it, where there's an actual purpose to them being able to revert back to a form or like a more ancient form, other than it just being super strong and having cool abilities. Like it, there's that added component to it. Um, so there's a bunch of different purposes you can see for uh, regional variants or variants in Pokemon, uh, in, 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 I guess the Pokemon canon or something, I don't know what the word is, but, uh, they can look really cool or they can have dark backstories or they can have, you know, creation mythologies and things like that. Um, uh, like alternate appearances in the case of Gastrodon, like we've seen multiple instances of this before. Um, uh, and I don't know. Um, uh it's it's just it's just interesting i forget where i was going with this thought um but the point is is that you can tell that there's a lot of different ways you can portray variants in pokemon biodiversity and also that there's different there's different applications to it diff different sorry different implications to it and the way it can be applied um it just can go in any direction really so like I said, I don't think I'm huge on the gimmicky ones, but then it's like when you have these like really cool forms that add something different, make the Pokemon fresh in some kind of way, I'm like, that's that's really cool. Now, this is where Pokemon Legends Arceus is interesting. This is where this comes this game comes back to the discussion. This is an etiological game, or in simpler terms, it's an origin game. It's like the start of something. It's the start, it's it it just is. And I think fans and myself are already speculating that there's probably gonna be a new trend of Pokemon games where we get these same type of games where it's set uh it's set in a past in a historical era of the broader Pokemon like kind of uh, universe um and uh will build on pre-existing lore and exploring how Pokemon used to be because that's what Pokemon Legends Arceus is it's a completely different take on Pokemon but 
where it stays consistent is how you research about Pokemon and learning about Pokemon, catching and battling with Pokemon in an effort to, like I said, learn more about them. It's a learning experience. But because it's set in that historical era, it shifts the dynamics of what you would expect from a typical Pokemon game. And that's really cool. So just to reiterate, and to make sure I'm being clear with my words, <laughs> we're like, I my personal hope along with other people is that we see more Pokemon games like this. This is really, um, I think it was kind of, it was almost like not gutsy per se, maybe in a way it was kind of gutsy, but it's like, this is the kind of game where it's like, you gotta hope it goes well, because if it doesn't, people are just, people are just not gonna like it. But I think everyone is, uh, 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 reacted to this game quite positively, myself included. So I am looking forward personally to discussing more episodes on this game because this topic about ranking Pokemon for me is just kind of like, what is the phrase? Tip of the iceberg type of thing where it's like, I just, I'm really looking forward to talking about Pokemon Legends Arceus a whole lot more because there's so much to talk about. And ranking the Pokemon has actually been quite an interesting process because I didn't want to just solely rank them based off of like whether or not I used them in the game, whether or not their design was eh, like, you know, just meh kind of thing. I I put a lot of thought into how I wanted to rank these Pokemon and you're going to see how that, how that plays out. Um, so I just wanted to give this context of variants um, and where we've seen Pokemon variants in the past, regional variants and whatnot, different or alternate forms, that kind of a thing. Um, so, uh, and of course the purposes of the variants, it just, it depends. So with this, all this kind of background and stuff out of the way, I will now discuss the Pokemon that got the Hisuian variant treatment in this very fun game. Right, so because I'm ranking Hisuian Pokemon, right? I'm dead. That's just an umbrella term, really, because this game introduces new forms for pre-existing Pokemon. It also introduces new evolutions for pre-existing Pokemon, independent of the forms. Like in some cases, because of the new form, they get an evolution, or they didn't necessarily need to have a new form to get an evolution in the first place. But in both cases, we have kind of distinct stratum of Hisuian Pokemon. And then there's whole new Pokemon that did not exist before this game that have also been introduced, kind of thing, which sort of overlaps, I guess, with the evolution category, but there are some distinct examples. So to start us off, I will describe all the original Pokemon first, and then just give a, some kind of brief context. Um, technically, like when I worked on the first rank, uh, first ranking uh, for legendary Pokemon. Um, I think I just got like really hyped and I, I, I didn't really go into lore and stuff. I didn't really want to dip my toes into that into that territory too much just because I'm like, that's a whole other rabbit hole. I'm avoid, I'm going to avoid that here as well, but there's going to be some instances where I can't avoid it. Uh, I don't know that that's going to happen right now. It's probably going to come up later. Uh, so Yes, my point is that I'm going to talk about the Pokemon in the generations they were originally introduced in kind of thing, and then talk about how they compare to their new forms. Now, I mean, I think I might be kind of off my language. I'm going to try and correct myself as much as possible in the sense that this is technically what these Pokemon used to be like, because this game is set in the past. Um, uh, so yeah, anyways. Let me, let me get into it. No ranking is happening just yet because I'm going to rank everything at the end of the episode. This is just me describing the Pokemon so we know what we're working with in the Hisui region. 
let's get into it. So starting off the list, we have Growlithe and Arcanine. So Growlithe evolves into Arcanine, so that's why I've grouped them together. Uh, these Pokemon were introduced in Generation 1. They are dog-like Pokemon and are pure fire types. Growlithe is a very endearing and friendly creature. It's, it's like a puppy. It's adorable. I think everyone loves Growlithe. I don't think there's a person out there who dislikes it. Um, and its evolution, Arcanine, while larger, um, is also just very friendly, very endearing. It's just a, a much bigger dog. Um, I, uh, I, I really like these Pokemon. Um, I'm technically not like the, like the biggest fan of generation one Pokemon. I mean, you see so much of them and I do like them, but I think I just have a preference for like Pokemon that have come in later generations. Growlithe and Arcanine though are just like, they're just really solid Pokemon, solid design, solid typing, um, that kind of a thing. And I think, uh, 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 yeah, that's, yes, that's all I have to say. They both possess warm color palettes with like bright oranges. I think they have some black stripes, might be wrong. And uh, beige, um, beige colors. So they, they, they just, they're very warm and friendly looking, right? Now they're Hisuian forms. This is a different, this is a whole, a whole different ball game. So canonically, these Pokemon are not too fond of people. And uh, in the case of Growlithe, it's just very wary. It does not, does not like humans. It becomes a fire, it is a fire rock type this time around, and the same goes for Hisuian Arcanine. Hisuian Arcanine has a visibly darker um, fur that kind of reminds you a bit of charred rock. Um, so its mane is not that beige color anymore. It's actually this kind of like uh, washed gray kind of look on a much darker orange. So it's very bold in its coloration. It's really shifted. Um, I'd still say very well behaved dog. It's, it's a very nice Pokemon. I love it very much, but yes, it's just, it's got a bolder color palette this time. Um, and Hisuian Arcanine is one of the uh, noble Pokemon players can encounter in their journey. Next up, we have Voltorb and Electrode, also introduced in Generation 1. Voltorb and Electrode are very well known for resembling Pokeballs. So Voltorb uh, is, was a rather is a rather aggressive Pokemon and like I said imitates the design of a typical normal Pokeball because Pokeballs have a bunch of different forms as well you can improve the quality of them but your standard one has the orange on top and the white on the bottom or red I guess it depends on the artwork I don't know Voltorb resembles that Electrode has the inverted color palette and is slightly larger also it's not it's still I think aggressive in some kind of ways but it's smiling that's a thing this Pokemon is a pure electric type Hisuian Voltorb is very happy and energetic, which greatly differs from modern Voltorb. Um, and while modern uh, Electrode smiles, Hisuian Electrode does not. Um, both of these Pokemon are electric grass types. Very interesting choice. I wasn't really sure about the grass, and I think it's because essentially the Pokemon are still resembling Pokeballs. Um, it's very clear in the case of a uh, um, Hisuian uh, Voltorb because of the eyes and it's like anthropomorphized onto the Pokeball design but because the Pokeballs in this game are made out of wood um, I'm sure that's why they went for like grass but I guess it's still able to zap you with electricity I don't know the logic maybe is partially questionable but you know what I, I really I think these Pokemon are very creative um, Hisuian uh, Electrode is one of the Lord Pokemon players can encounter in their journey then this will be the first of the starter Pokemon that are that were introduced in this game. So the starters themselves are all pre-existing Pokemon, but their final forms have changed into Hisuian forms. So starting off, we have Typhlosion. 
This was introduced in Generation 2 as part of the Cyndaquil line, the fire type uh, Pokemon um, in gold, silver, and crystal, if you will. And its evolution line consisted of Cyndaquil, Kalava, and then finally Typhlosion. Typhlosion possessed flames around its neck and kind of resembles this weasel, uh, I guess, I don't know, cat, pangolin type of creature, uh, that kind of a thing. And it was a pure fire type. Hisuian Typhlosion. Oh, oh, Hisuian Typhlosion. This is the starter I picked, folks. Its color palette shifts and the, it goes to slightly um, cooler tones. Um, it's not that it's bold. Its original color palette is bold. It has like a like a blue mane around its neck, beige kind of uh, body uh, color, like coloration for its body, and then, you know, flames on its neck. But uh, Hisuian Typhlosion really cools it down. Um, so it the flames around its neck have changed shape and its coloration, like the overcoat is purple instead of blue now. And these violet flames um, appear to guide forsaken souls into the afterlife. Okay, that's interesting. Now here's some uh, history, if you will. So I've mentioned in a couple episodes, I guess, discussing Pokemon Legends Arceus prior to the game's release, that there's a lot more, I think, callbacks or references um, to the tradition of yokai that I think would have been prevalent around the time that Pokemon Legends Arceus is actually set in. It's the aesthetic, it's the um, it's that kind of vibe, if you will. Um, there was a period in history in Japan where they were pretty big on yokai, which we will roughly translate to monsters for the purposes of this episode. So the interesting thing about Typhlosion, because I did some digging, and it kind of actually is a combination of a bunch of different yokai, in my opinion. It doesn't really fit it's not like it's based off of a single yokai in my opinion i think it actually pulls from a bunch of different ones so it resembles the kama itachi or sickle weasel yokai but it behaves more like an inugami or dog god because of it's of having like a protector like quality the kama itachi the thing with it is that it's actually quite a volatile and aggressive entity but typhlosion hisuian typhlosion does not give off that vibe at all it's very chill um but yeah so it encompasses kind of partially partially those two different yokai at once in terms of like just the base appearance and then its actual like characteristic and mood. But then it also shares elements with the Shida Inui or the unknown fire because that yokai guides people to the land. Um, uh, so it's like, that's also kind of similar to Typhlosion, but that's like the unknown fire is not a physical um, animalistic entity or character kind of thing. Um, it's literally just fire. So I'm like, it, but it combines a bunch of, of these different factors. So with these changes, Hisuian Typhlosion is now Fire Ghost. And that also plays into my, I guess, understanding that the Shida Inui connection might be stronger because of that as well. Fire Ghost, it's not really like, uh, it's not a material thing. It's more, um, it's not a very literal force, uh, if that makes sense. So moving down the list, we have Quillfish. So this Pokemon was introduced in generation two. Um, it resembles a pufferfish. I don't think it's the most memorable Pokemon in my opinion, um, but you know, it's got like simple kind of light greens. I think maybe, is it beige? I'm not sure, composing its color palette and it is a water poison type. Um, it's one of those Pokemon that it never got an evolution or anything like that. So it's like, it's, I think it's it's one of those Pokemon that people just, they know it exists, but it's not like it's, 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 it's one that's appeared in multiple games, so I don't think it's very memorable. But it does get the Hisuian treatment, that's why I'm talking about it now. So this is an, a very aggressive pufferfish-like Pokemon, Still, that, that much is still consistent. Um, the color palette shifts to 
um, brighter purples, but a kind of like a, it's like a dark violet or something as the um, overcoat. And then it has like bright purple lines, magenta. I'm not really sure. I'm not the best with colors, but it, it has a much more aggressive look to it. And it's a definite shift from the original, like or from modern quillfish, if you will. And uh, this Pokemon is able to spray poisons from its spines and apparently making it troublesome for fisher folk does not sound fun. It is now a dark poison type. So I find it interesting that it's, it's when you find it in the game though, you find it in the water. So it's like that much is still consistent. And I'm sure that's the connection that it has to modern quillfish. Moving on, this is our, the second starter on this list. This is Samurott. This Pokemon was introduced in generation five. It comes from the Oshawott line, which consists of Oshawott, Diwat, and then finally Samurott. It, it was already based on Samurai aesthetics and as well appears like a sea lion. Um, the lion itself though is a little bit inconsistent design wise. And I've actually talked about this in an episode discussing starter Pokemon way back in season two. So if you want to hear some more about Samurott there, you can go check that out. But Otherwise, you could just stick around for this this discussion. Um, the thing was that Oshawott and Diwat resemble like otters and things like that, but otters are not the same as sea lions. So I think people always felt that Samurott just comes out of nowhere. I've always had a soft spot for this Pokemon though. Anyways, Samurott is a pure water type um, and has a rather bold blue color palette, a white underbelly and beige to mark the shell designs on its body because it the shell on its head kind of resembles a helmet. It's really cool. I actually still think um, Samurott is probably my favorite uh, Generation 5 starter. Um, I'm not entirely sure to be completely honest, but I actually have always really liked Pokemon. Now it's Hisuian form. This is actually really interesting because it doesn't change too much from what we saw originally in Generation 5. So the shells on its body change in color from that kind of beige uh, to red and black. So it has like, it's black with red streaks on it. And the shell on its head is like kind of slightly bent. Um, it definitely looks like it's more of like a, an ominous creature in some ways. It's a little bit more intense. I think the blue is even a little bit darker. Um, uh, but yeah, it's not like a, a humongous shift from the original design, but it does change some key things that you're like, this does stand out. Um, interestingly though, otters in the yokai tradition were classified more as tricksters. And, but Samurott's motif has always been that to mimic a sea lion and uh, um, a sea lion and a samurai warrior at once. So I'm just like, I don't think they were really necessarily going for that connection, despite its very first form as Oshawott resembling an otter. Um, so I'm personally not sure how that relates to the yokai tradition. Um, but that's that's just an interesting thing I was thinking about. And this is now a water dark type instead. The next up we have Lilligant, also introduced in Generation 5. It is a somewhat humanoid Pokemon with plant characteristics. It has flower petals that resemble tulips. Um, on its head, the orientation of the petals on its body resemble a rather puffed dress, as well as a kind of headdress, if you will, with um, uh, like a red flower on top of its head. Um, I have a soft spot for this Pokemon too. I actually quite like Lilligant. It is a pure grass type. Now, its Hisuian form is much sleeker by design. It has a pink flower crown on its head, but it's a lot narrower. It's It kind of reminds me a little bit of like a ballerina in a way. Um, and it becomes a grass fighting type. It is one of the noble Pokemon players encounter in their journey. So Lilligant is important, uh, much like uh, Orcanine and things like that. 
So moving now, moving, uh, moving forward, we got Zorua and Zoroark. Oh boy, love these Pokemon. So they were both introduced, again, in Generation 5. They are fox-like Pokemon that were characterized as being rather mischievous. Zorua was a small kind of quadrupedal Pokemon, um, and Zoroark is bipedal, and they have dark red and black color palettes to characterize uh, their appearances. Um, Zoroark's big thing was being an illusion Pokemon. Um, so... Uh, They've they've always kind of been that way, but Hisui and Zorua and Zoroark, I were I if you if you've listened to my previous episodes discussing this game before it was released, you will know that I was I was like shook by the introduction to these Pokemon. So Hisui and Zorua and Zoroark are a lot warier, much like the Growlithe line. Um, and Hisui and Zorua just appears kind of shy, maybe even a little bit sad. Now I have been chased by this thing in the game once. It did try and attack me, but it wasn't like Pokemon behavior is quite dynamic in Pokemon Legends Arceus. So out of all the things that have chased me, Zorua was not the worst thing. And it was also just kind of cute because I'm like, oh, look at it trying to attack me. Like it's 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 just a little it's a little thing, you know? Um uh and the design, like the the color palette has completely shifted. So they, it's now like white and bright reds, almost like a red orange in a little way. Um, it looks more like a fire type Pokemon, strangely enough, because it's very like wispy and it's like it's like the the fur on its head kind of like flows above it. It's very like spooky, but we'll get into why that's uh, spooky. Now, according to Bulbapedia, Hisuian Zoroark is said to embody death and it's filled with spite and is able to create illusions that harm opponents both on the outside and inside. Um, I didn't do as much research for a bunch of other Pokemon I am discussing in this episode. Like I, I paid attention to the starters, for example, because they're, I just had to. I couldn't give that treatment to all of the other um, Pokemon that I'm discussing on this list, but Zoroark for sure has some like, um, I think this actually reminds me more of the Sickle Weasel than um, uh, Typhlosion, for example. Um, uh, and uh, Kitsune as well in the yokai tradition. Like that's something I personally want to look more into. I just didn't give that the same amount of time. Anyways, very, very tense Pokemon. Very, very, uh, like I said, spooky. Um, and this is where we get to their typings. Both of them have become normal ghost types. And this is the first time we've ever actually seen this type combination in the franchise. This is a big deal. Um, so really cool Pokemon, love their designs. Next, we have Braviary, also introduced in Generation 5, an eagle-like Pokemon that sported kind of white, beige, um, uh, some red, and then had kind of this like faded bluish-gray color palette, and then like random kind of rather bright, bright, bright blues on the tips of its back feathers, which seems a little bit random, but it's like, okay, whatever. Braviary is all right, and it was a normal flying type. Hisuian Braviary, um, its wings become tipped in white, and it develops a crest above its head that possesses these pink and blue swirls, and it is now a psychic flying type. Really, really solid Pokemon. Really like this Pokemon. I believe this is the first Pokemon on the list that I am covering that uh, um, that uh, is a, a ride Pokemon. And I, I guess I'll talk about that a little bit more later, but basically there's Pokemon that help you out in the game. Braviary helps you fly. Next up, we got Basculin. Um, so it's, the thing is, is that apparently it's not actually classified as having a Hisuian form, but I'm kind of treating it as having one simply because, first of all, it can evolve. We're going to get into that later. Um, Basculin 
it looks different in this game. It feels different. I treat it differently than the original Basculine. So technically, I think it doesn't have a Hisuian farm, which feels a bit weird to put on this list then, but let's just roll with this, okay, folks? So its original uh, form as a Pokemon introduced in Generation 5, it had a blue stripe form and a red stripe form. The orientation of its eyes and kind of the body shape of the fish differs, but they're both considered Basculine. They are, like, they are what I like to call disgruntled fish, pure water type Pokemon, nothing too remarkable about them. Not very memorable either. We've seen all quite a number of fish Pokemon in 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 the franchise, and I'm not I'm not so sure Basculin stands out. I mean, Hisuian quote unquote Hisuian Basculin is interesting. It's white stripe this time, still a disgruntled fish. I believe it's still a pure water type. But you know what? It's cool. Um, it definitely has a bit more of an intense design. I think this one stays with me a lot more than the original Basculin. Like if I try and well, okay, that's technically not fair because I've played. Pokemon Legends Arceus more recently than uh, the Generation 5 games, but I don't know. White Striped Basculin stands out a little bit more to me. That's just that's just how I feel. But it's cool. It's all right. We take it. Then next up, we have Sligu and Gudra. Um, introduced in Generation 6, uh, Sligu is this like snail-like Pokemon that oozes out mucus of a kind, light and dark purple color palettes that are characterizing it. And because it moves like a snail, it's not like a biped. Although when it evolves, it does become one. Uh, Gudra, still very drippy. Um, where you find it in the original games, it's like it's raining. So it's like, okay, makes sense. Um, these two Pokemon are part of the original line of Gumi, Sligu, and Gudra, which were new dragon type Pokemon that were introduced in this generation. And uh, pure dragon type. Uh, pure dragon type Pokemon. Now, Hisui and Sligo and Gudra were interesting. Um, it really goes ham on that snail motif. Um, it has a metallic shell now that protects it in the case of Sligu, and it rolls around in that, so like it'll hide itself in the shell and then roll around in the area kind of thing. Um, uh, this thing scared me at first, not gonna lie. Um, uh, Gudra is, it kind of looks a little bit like, not sad, that's not quite the right word, but it's like, it, it just, again, just very droopy. <laughs> Very drippy and droopy. Um, apparently, it remains friendly, like its original form in or modern form, I guess, in uh, Generation Six. But yeah, that's that shell on its back is humongous, and it's like conjoined to like the rest of its body. Um, both of these Pokemon are now Dragon Steel types, which is a very good type pairing. Just so good, so good. Okay. <laughs> All right, sorry folks. So next up we got Avalug, also introduced in generation six. It is based off of an iceberg and possesses animalistic qualities. So basically just imagine you shave off like a relatively trapezoidal, semi-triangular bit of ice. And then you put a, a head on it and some likes, but it's like all ice. That's mostly Avalug. Kind of reminds me of a table. Um, and it's a quadrupedal Pokemon, very frosty looking, pure ice type Pokemon. Not a whole lot to say to it. It also um, is part of the Bergmite line. It's only a two-stage uh, evolution Pokemon, or sorry, one-stage evolution Pokemon. So it starts off as Bergmite, which is this little tiny, it's almost like a snowball with like a giant icicle cone thing on its head and like eyes and a small mouth. It's kind of it's kind of cute, I guess. Um, and then it evolves into Avalug. Hisuian Avalug, though, oh boy, it now has these large, flat, but like semi-triangular plates near its mouth, almost like, they're almost like, uh, almost like blades, 
you know, like like the ends of like a scythe or something. Although it's a lot like a blunter and like broad, like it's it's a wide set of plates. But very interesting addition because nor like a, a, the the modern avalok does not have that uh, trait, and it's a lot narrower in shape. So instead of having that kind of semi-triangular trapezoidal look to it, it's now a lot sleeker. Kind of reminds me of a diamond. <laughs> All right, so um, Avalug, yes, introduced in Generation 6. It is uh, based off of an iceberg, but it possesses animalistic qualities. Maybe even like a bit, I don't know, kind of dinosaur-like. Maybe aspects of an ankylosaurus can be seen in it, because you just got to imagine you take this like three-dimensional, triangular, trapezoidal, I don't know, shapes, chunk that off of an iceberg, Put a head on it and four legs. Boom! You got you got yourself an avalug. Very frosty looking. Its first form is known as bergmite, which also appears in this game, but it's still the normal looking bergmite. No Hisuian form for bergmite, which is just this little small white. It's not like a actual snowball, but it's just white in coloration. Also quadrupedal. Has a gigantic like icicle cone on its head. Um, it's all right, I guess. But avalug, yeah, very iceberg like, and it's a pure ice type Pokemon. Um, but it's Hisuian form. Oh boy, it is now. Uh, it's 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 a different kind of large. <laughs> um, it has these like uh, relatively like big, flat, but like kind of triangular plates near its mouth. They're almost like blades. It's really cool. Really cool addition to this Pokemon. Um, the kind of iceberg design, if you will, on its back. Uh, is narrower in shape, it resembles more of a diamond now, and it has rockier legs. So unlike Avalug, where it's mostly white in all parts of its body, like you can see maybe some indigo blues and maybe a little bit of purple here and there, but it's mostly white because it's based off like ice. Hisuian Avalug is uh, different. It's got like brown legs, it's got like a rocky underside, and then it's like ice on top. Really cool. It's like an ice cream sandwich, but like I don't know, Pokemon version. I'm not sure. It becomes an ice rock type and is one of the noble Pokemon you can encounter in this region. Um, very, very cool. I thought this was an interesting choice as well for having it be like a part of the story because Avalug is again, one of those Pokemon I would not expect to get that treatment, but a pleasant surprise. They've made it, they've made this Pokemon interesting. Um, uh, next up we have Decidueye, um, originally introduced in generation seven and is based off an extinct species of bird in Hawaii known as the stilt owl. Very interesting, uh, I guess, um, design choice for this Pokemon. Like it is a clear root in what led to its creation. And if you listen to the starter Pokemon episode, you will know that this was the, uh, these, the, this was the Pokemon I ended up using the most. It's my favorite one from that generation. Love it. It's, it's part of the Rowlet line. So it consists of Rowlet, this small little owl, evolves into Dartrix, and then finally Decidueye. Now Decidueye has this like archer motif, um, and it's very owl-like, obviously, um, but it has like almost like a hood, because again, it's it's I guess uh, people have said it also has like Robin Hood elements to it. So it's got a covered in like it's got like a green hood, um, orange for like its bot uh, for the wings, and then like a white kind of body, almost like an overcoat, and then uh, some. Uh, I think orange, I'm not entirely sure, but very, very archer-like, very clear motif. It uses its wing as a bow. I'm like, this Pokemon's so cool. And it is a grass ghost type, which of course is a callback to the fact that it's based on an extinct species of bird. 
Um, Hisui and Decidueye. I did not know how I felt about this one because this was the one I liked the least out of the um, Hisuian uh, starters. Um, but I think it's grown on me now. Like, I think I like it now uh, more than I did when I when I first found out about it. And I am fine with that because I've always loved Decidueye. So its, it's feathers become a lot more straw-like. Its color palette changes into like these more autumnal colors of like red and orange. Really interesting choice. I think that's pretty cool. Um, and that was that's due to it accommodating for the colder weather. So I like that um, although Samurott isn't a vast, like Hisuian Samurott isn't a vast change from the modern Samurott, I do appreciate, at least in the case of Decidueye and Typhlosion, that they do look and feel very different from uh, their, their modern forms. So I think that's a cool touch. Um, now, uh, after doing some digging on my own, I feel like Decidueye has some connections to a yokai known as Tengu, which is considered to be bird-like, human-like in some ways, although apparently it's not always depicted as being a bird like sometimes it is sometimes it isn't it there was a lot of confusion on that front uh whether or not it was actually connected to to um appearing like a bird but apparently miyamoto no yoshitsune a samurai warrior during the heian and kamakura period which would have been like the 1100s ce um uh he allegedly learned martial arts from a tengu so that's that's kind of interesting um but fittingly this uh his words, Hisui and Decidueye is a grass fighting type. So we have Fire Ghost, Water Dark, and Grass Fighting. Very, very, very interesting uh, typings for starters. And I think this is only the second time we've had a grass fighting, uh, a grass fighting starter. This would have been, this is the second time we've had a, um, uh, it's the second time we've had a water dark type starter, but it is the first time we've had a fire ghost starter. So basically all the starters actually, even though they were based off of pre-existing Pokemon, i.e. Cyndaquil, Oshawott, and Rowlet, even though they're based off of Pokemon and starters that we already know, they've given their final forms really fresh takes, and I really appreciated that. Next up, we have Sneasel. Introduced in Generation 2, it is a mixture between a cat and a weasel, and is bipedal. Um, it has these like icy claws and stuff. It has a red feather on its head as well as red feathers for its tail and has a dark blue color palette. It's kind of mischievous, dark ice type. Solid Pokemon. It's been around, it's been around for a while. It's been around the block. Hisuian uh, Sneasel, very, very interesting shift. Um, it possesses more curved claws that are capable of uh, climbing uh, cliffs. Um, it now has light purples for its color palette. Um, so on its belly, it's like a darker purple, but the rest of its body is colored in like a much lighter purple. And it is now a poison fighting type. It's considered to be quite aggressive. This thing has chased me multiple times and it's not the most fun and kind of hurts because you're getting poisoned. And like, we do not want to have that. It's not ideal, you know? And one thing I will add about this Pokemon is it kind of in a similar situation as you could say Basculin in the sense that it's like, out of these new Pokemon that we're kind of seeing, the original Sneasel can still be found in this game. It's not just that we have Hisui and Sneasel. We get both Sneasels at once, which I think was really cool. And then in the case of Basculin, though, as far as I know, we don't like, we're not getting like blue, white, and red. I believe it's like we have white and red. I might be wrong, or is it still just white? I think it's still just white. Anyways, 
My point is, is that Sneasel's, both of Sneasel's forms are found in this game. The original Sneasel, as well as Hisuia's Sneasel. I find it interesting that both exist at once, because that's not the case for a lot of other uh, Pokemon, I guess you could say, in the Hisui region. What I'm going to discuss now is going to be spoilers um, for uh, the Pokemon that you will meet later uh, towards the end of the main story. So uh, after this, I'm going to be talking about um, like new Hisuian Pokemon. There'll be timestamps for everything. So if you want to go uh, just skip over these spoiler heavy parts, um, just go right over to that section now. I'll give you a, I'll give you three seconds. You got to make your decision. Three, two, one. All right, spoiler time. Let's get into it. Next up, we have the primal forms of the legendary Pokemon. So in this game, Arceus, you do not fight right away in the sense that this is not the final boss, if you will, of the end of the game. You encounter Palkia and Dialga. The, or, the order in which you encounter them differs, but it's basically combining elements of the original games of Diamond and Pearl, which is really cool because that is the region that this game is based off of. So. Lots of lot, lots and lots and lots and lots of lore implications, folks. Um, and there's a lot that goes down. But of course, I'm here to rank Pokemon, so I'm not gonna. Tr I'm gonna try and avoid that rabbit hole as much as possible. But that being said, I do want to discuss the primal Pokemon, uh, their primal forms, primal Palkia. So I will start off by talking about the original Palkia that we know. The both Palkia and Dialga were introduced in Generation Four. Um, Palkia is pink with some light purple streaks, and it's a bipedal Pokemon. It's very theropod-like, so it has some dinosaur qualities, and it possesses pearls in its like shoulder shoulder pads or shoulder spheres. And it is uh, characterized as the god of space. It is known as this primordial entity encompassing space, and it is a water dragon type. It's primal form. I don't know what I I'm confused, and you're gonna be confused later too. Not helped by what I'm saying now, and then what I'm about to say later when I actually rank this Pokemon. But you gotta bear with me, folks. It's now quadrupedal with centaur-like qualities. It lacks a mouth, um, so its head becomes a bit more like a helmet. The same happens to Dialga, by the way, but at least with Dialga, it already kind of had helmet-like qualities to begin with. Palkia just like, okay, so it's it doesn't have a mouth anymore. Wonderful. Um, the wings on its back were like kind of hardened when it was in that, that original form. But this primal form is like its wings become a lot more feathered and its tail is also, it's more like a horse's tail. It has this purple circle encasing the middle of its back. So you can look this up. Um, and you can be confused. Do it at your own risk or play through the game. Up to you. Then we have Primal Dialga. Um, so its original form that we know it in, it's blue with some light blue, light blue streaks on its body. It's quadrupedal, possesses a diamond in its chest, so it's very sauropod-like. It's characterized as this primordial uh, being of time, so it's like the god of time, and it is a steel dragon type. And its primal form, it's still very much a quadrupedal dinosaur-like creature with a large set of diamonds fanning around its back. It's kind of like a heightened version of what we already know from the original form of Dialga. Um, and it also includes a uh, like a diamond design encasing the middle of its back. So for Palkia, it's like a purple circle, but for Dialga, it's like a light blue diamond with like spires almost 
also, like I said, lacks a mouth. It has this large diamond protrusion in its neck. I don't know why. And its front legs are significantly bulkier compared to its hind legs. So it's got like really like, like kind of skinny, almost deer-like hind legs. And then its front legs are like towers. It's like, you can like use it, those legs as a battering ram. Like they are hefty. I don't know. I do not know. So with that out of the way, let me now talk about new Hisuian Pokemon that we get in this game. All right, now it's time to talk about these new Pokemon. Cool, wonderful. Um, and uh, it's 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 interesting that you know new Pokemon. They are definitely a, a lot of these new Pokemon are definitely encompassed within this canon of lore that Hisui has been building up. What's really interesting in the game is how it subtly world builds on its lore specifically. So it does the world building through gameplay, obviously immersing you in these different locales, meeting all kinds of people, seeing all kinds of Pokemon and all their forms. Like it's cool and all, right? And there's so many different environments to adventure through. But it's like, that's that's already happening. That's the purpose of the game. But you get this kind of lore and stuff that goes along with it. So when I mentioned before uh, in the previous listing of like variants, where we had a Pokemon that was like a noble Pokemon. Noble Pokemon are a big deal in this game. And I make a point of that because it's like, they are like revered to. They are almost like you could say mini deities in a way. It's very, very interesting. And that is again, a topic I'm going to have to save for another episode on this game, but you know what? Let me let me just get into talking about these Pokemon. This episode's gonna go on for too long if I'm not careful. Um, so I'm not, I'm gonna try and avoid going into too much detail. Uh, and I will also mention that there is a Pokemon on this list that I will characterize as like major spoilers. We'll get to that in a bit. So now I'm just gonna mention some of the new Pokemon that we have uh, met in this game, some of which also function as evolutions. Uh, so yeah, uh, let's let's get into it. So we got, first off, we have Cleavor. This was actually one of the Pokemon that was uh, promoted in like uh, the trailers for this game. Um, it is the evolved form of Scyther, which was a Pokemon introduced in generation one and is a bug flying type. And it's normally, Scyther is normally green. Cleavor now is a bug rock type. And it is, it's, it's, um, it's got, it's, it's not winged anymore. Like it walks around and instead of scythes, for arms because Scyther, Scythes, instead of having Scythes for arms, it has, uh, it it wields these large axes for arms. It's like terrifying, honestly. And it's characterized as being this violent creature with a body made of hardened stone. And this is one of, uh, again, the noble Pokemon players encounter in their journey. Cleavor is, is very scary for that, to be completely honest. It's like, I don't know how tall it is. Is it like, I don't know, like four foot something? I've, but I, it's big. It's a, it's a gigantic bug. I'm like, I do not, I, I, no thanks. I'm okay. Next up, we have Weirdeer. This is the evolved form of Stantler, a Pokemon that was introduced in generation two and was a pure normal type. Weirdeer is now a normal psychic type and lore states that it can erect invisible barriers and the black orbs in its antlers shine with an uncanny light. This is one of the ride Pokemon that's introduced in the game and is responsible for traversing land. So in the case of Hisui and Braviary, that one helps you fly through the sky. Weirdeer, helps you just run around the land, super helpful. Um, I love Weirdeer. It kind of reminds me of like 
you know, it's like, it's a very like wintry Pokemon. It's got like a white overcoat. Normal Stantler's just kind of brown with some like yellow designs on its body, but Weirdeer's like white. It's like a very bright white, very identifiable, makes you think of snow. Um, very, 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 very cool Pokemon in a way that you would not expect. The next up we have Basculegion. This is the evolved, evolved form of white striped Basculin, um, which we know was a Gen, uh, generation 5 Pokemon and I was a pure water type, but Basculegion is a water ghost type. So the Pokedex entry details that it clad itself in the souls of fellow Basculin that perished before they could arrive upstream. It is one of the ride Pokemon in the game that is responsible for traversing through water. Very, very cool Pokemon. I, I thought this was a really great design. It kind of reminds me of like uh, uh, large like groupers, like bass and things like that. Uh, think big fish, like that's what Basket Basca Legion looks like. Um, very, 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 very cool, uh, cool fish. Still very disgruntled, but you know. I, I do very much appreciate uh, this design and how cool it is. It even has a cool cry, like it's it's an intense Pokemon, you know? Then we have uh, Ursaluna. This is the final um, form of Ursaring, which is a Pokemon that was introduced in generation two. Now, um, the first form of Ursaring that was known as Teddy Ursa, which is literally, it's like a little teddy bear. It's just very, very tiny. It's a little baby. And then it evolves into like Ursaring and Ursaring's like this very angry bear, you know? But Ursa Luna, uh, so just so we're clear, Teddy Ursa and Ursaring, both again introduced in Generation 2, normal type Pokemon, and they are both bipedal. Ursa Luna is a quadrupedal Pokemon and it becomes a normal ground type. So it's accustomed to the swampy terrain um, that we uh, get to see, one of the areas, that, one of the environments we get to see in the Hisui region, and it possesses quite a, a burly physique. It's very, very, very bulky looking Pokemon, and it is one of the ride Pokemon uh, players encounter in this game and is responsible for being able to find rare items. We love to see it. Thank you, Ursaluna, for getting me all those goods. It's very helpful. Then next up, we have Sneasler. This is the evolved form of Hisuian Sneasel. The distinction is important here because while regular Sneasel still exists in this game, or modern Sneasel, if you want to call it that, while it still exists alongside Hisuian Sneasel, Hisuian Sneasel is the only one that can evolve into Sneasler. So it maintains the poison fighting type that was introduced with Hisuian Sneasel. Um, very similar color, color palette. It kind of has like this dark blue coloration on its face, but the rest of its body is this quite uh, light purple. Um, these are characterized as being solitary creatures that possess a virulent poison. Sounds fun. And it's quite accustomed to the highlands and is capable of climbing. And it is one of the ride Pokemon in this game for rock, rock climbing. You guessed it. Awesome. All right, next up, we have Overquill. This is the evolved form of Hisuian Quillfish. It is a dark poison type. It's basically just like a puffed up, like it's like a puffer fish that's even more puffed up. It's humongous. The spines on its body, I think they just stick out normally. Um, it's it's just, it's it's got a very consistent, aggressive temperament. Do not want to mess this thing. And apparently it's nicknamed the Sea Fiend. Um, it is not, uh, it is, it's, it's just a Pokemon that you can find in this game. And to be honest, this isn't like, so this isn't one of the Pokemon that was being advertised prior to the release of the game. So it's like, I'm pretty sure Hisui and Quillfish and Overquill came as a complete surprise to most people. Cause I, I personally was not, not expecting this Pokemon to get that treatment, like the regional variant treatment. And then also for it to get a whole other evolution. Like that's pretty cool. Um, just so we're clear in the case of Cleavor is that it's the evolved form of Scyther, 
but Scyther normally evolves into a Pokemon named Scizor. You can still get Scizor in the game if you evolve it through the method that's always been the case for evolving Scyther into Scizor. There's just a different method for evolving Scyther into Cleavor, so it's like you can choose, which I think was a, also a very interesting choice. Um, Basket Legion also has two different forms depending on how you evolve it. There's uh, there, the red form and then there's the white form. Very, 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 very cool stuff. So there's a lot of creative elements with a lot of these new Pokemon. All right, next up, this is going to be spoilers, uh, major spoilers for a part of the post game. So after I discuss this Pokemon, I will be actually ranking the Pokemon once and for all. So if you don't want to be spoiled, just skip to that section. Although I am going to be mentioning the Pokemon that are also spoilers in that ranking. So of course, listen at your own risk. So the last Pokemon I am discussing here as part of the new Pokemon introduced in this game is Enamorous. This is a new Pokemon that exists along the forces of nature. The forces of nature were a trio of legendary Pokemon introduced in Generation 5, known as Landorus, Thunderous, and Tornadus. Uh, the forces of nature were uh, like, sorry, they are modeled after Japanese deities or gods, though these religious identities were much more than that umbrella term of god. So we're just gonna, I'm gonna roll with deities. Um, the forces of nature each respectively represented the kami of fertility, lightning, and wind. So Landorus is for fertility, um, also has a very earthy feel to it. Thunderous, lightning, tornadus, wind. And they all have these alternate forms known as Therian forms, which is kind of associated with like psychological elements or characteristics of its being. Very interesting uh, touch, and I'll get into that a little bit more later. But Enamorous is now part of this the, this group of legendary Pokemon. It is a fairy flying type. And in the game, it's heralded as being as a being of spring. It resembles um, a snake, which is clad in pink hearts and it represents love. Its theory and form um, resembles a cloud turtle with a shell on its back. Um, Basically, this is the bit I was just mentioning literally like two seconds ago. With the addition of Enamorous, the forces of nature have come to represent the four auspicious beasts that appear along the ecliptic of the Chinese constellations, which essentially signal cardinal directions. Um, I have a link for that if you want to read up more about it. Really interesting stuff. Um, and these, uh, the four auspicious beasts in the um, this uh, Chinese astrological tradition um, they, they specifically pertain to the Therian forms of the forces of nature, not necessarily their uh, incarnate forms, which is what people normally see them as, which is usually this semi-anthropomorphic being sitting on a cloud. All of them do that. Their Therian forms are a lot more distinct. Um, so yeah, those were the new Pokemon that we've seen in this game. Now it's finally time to rank them. So I actually like all the new kind of forms and evolutions and just new Pokemon altogether that were introduced in this game. They all feel fresh in their own way. So even the ones that I think I rank low, I don't think I actually dislike. And for this time when I ranked it, uh, for when I ranked these Pokemon, I took a lot of things into consideration. Like I, I gave this a lot of thought and because this is just the way I process things and the way my brain works, I'm like, I do not just simply like this Pokemon or dislike or maybe just not like as much for simply thinking its design is bland. It's like, this is a contributing factor to why I rank this one higher than the other ones. And I will say that the ones that I think strike a chord more in the vein of lore, that just resonates with me a whole lot more. So the fact that I could make some explicit connections when it came to, um, 
the yokai tradition, for example, uh, um, in Japanese history, essentially, some of these Pokemon just feel so much more like just rooted in that and that's cool to me because i'd already thought from like, prior to the release of this game that it's like this is the aesthetic they're they're basing um things off of like it's so it's it just it just feels it feels whole in a lot of ways for me it's a it's it's difficult to word but i think you get the point that i put a lot of thought into this and of course this isn't going to be the most straightforward ranking um and it's actually kind of funny because I think I had a more subjective take in which I ranked certain Pokemon higher, even though I really don't think they're that great. So I know that I also, I had to like shift things around. So I forgot I for, I, I forgot to mention this when I actually did the ranking itself, but there are going to be spoilers for uh, some of the Pokemon I've mentioned before. So when I mentioned that there were spoilers in the respective sections of the episode, please keep in mind that you're going to hear about them in the ranking and I will sort of reference what I've already previously discussed about them. So just keep that in mind, listen at your own risk. Um, anyways, I will be ranking lowest to highest, uh, so here we go. Starting off the list in 21st place, we have Overquill and Quillfish, Isui and Quillfish. I mean, they're just, they're, they're okay. I mean, aggressive pufferfish, it's kind of cool, you know, Overquills, like, I, I mean, that would be scary to encounter, I'm not gonna lie, like, I, I do not want to run into that thing. It's, it's very interesting, and I do appreciate that Quillfish got this treatment, because it, it is one of those Pokemon that it's like, wow, I never would have expected, expected this. There's a lot of uh, Generation 5 and Generation 2 Pokemon that got this like variant treatment or got evolutions of things like that and i found that really interesting um quillfish being one of them obviously and i don't know it's they're they're cool but it, i think i just like other things more you know and then in 20th i have sligu and gudra so i really like their motif i did like the original pokemon like just sligu and normal gudra like they're cool they're all right um a bit uh I, I always was confused why it wasn't like dragon water or water dragon kind of thing because in the original games that they appear in you have to evolve it while it's raining i believe or something like that so i'm just like why not just incorporate that i mean it's not like there's a ton of water dragon pokemon out there in existence wouldn't hurt to do so so many bug flying types and dragon flying type so you know why not just why not just go with dragon water water dragon and of course now the hisuian hisuian sligu and hisuian gudra are dragon steel very good typing and it's and they've developed a metallic shell uh sligu right being in that shell and then gudra having it like conjoined to its body it's interesting but i just it's just it's just it's okay for me uh but i do prefer it to overquill and quillfish um in 19th place i have hisuian electrode um I, I first of all, I just prefer Hisuian Voltorb, and then it, it's it's okay. But I honestly hated fighting this thing. I'm just gonna be completely honest. It's like I, there's a lot of battles in this game, and this was the one I enjoyed the least. Then in 18th place, I have Enamorous. Um, so there's obviously some very interesting lore accompanying this, uh, but I'm just not that hot on the on on its design. Um, uh that kind like it's just it's just eh, you know um i i i feel kind of bad though because it's got that lore aspect to it and normally that kind of stuff really really it's so it sounds kind of contradictory to what i just said a second ago where it's like the lore stuff or where i could see very cultural elements come into play 
it definitely an amorous i feel it could have been that but it's like uh, i don't know i still i'm on the fence maybe if i were to like go back to this ranking about a month from now and i'm like okay maybe i actually like an amorous i i'll rank it higher like the lore is interesting i'm just not huge on its design so that's where the more subjective side of me jumped in on this ranking in 17th place i have sneezler um i like this pokemon it, it's very cool very interesting take on evolving hisuian sneasel um it's got, it's like a Hisuian Sneasel's kind of short and scrappy, and then Sneasler's like tall, lanky, all arms and legs. Um, uh, it's very, very cool. And very, it's intimidating in its own kind of way. Um, but I, it's just kind of similar in the case of, you could say, Sligu and Gudra, and then Overquill and Quillfish, where it's like, I think I just prefer other Pokemon, that kind of a thing. Okay, so I'll just talk about these two both at once. So in 16th, I have Primal Dialga, and in 15th, I have Primal Palkia. So I I actually don't mind these Pokemon at all, these Primal forms. It's weird, I know, but I'm, I'm okay with it. I think I just have a huge soft spot for Dialga and Palkia. I know some people have seen these designs and are just like, wow, they literally ruined my favorite legendary Pokemon kind of thing. And I think I just decided to take things in context, and that's why I'm not so upset. Like, I think I spend more time laughing at how they look rather than being upset at how they look. Like, it's... It, this isn't the first time I've seen primal, like, primal forms for a legendary Pokémon that I really like. Like, this this happened in the case of Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire with Primal Groudon and Primal Kyogre. Those were phenomenal designs for primal Pokémon, uh, for, for, like, their primal forms. They they have a whole different feel to them they're so much bigger very very interesting i mean primal dialga and primal palkia are just so like i have no idea what's going on with them uh, like i think i still get this like whoa feeling when i look at them though because fighting them or i guess in more like it, it, it's it the way it happens in the game i don't want to spoil anything but it's like they're they're just I don't know. Like I, I was, I was still kind of amazed when I saw these forms, like for the first time, because I went into the game blind. I made sure I didn't see any spoilers for Hisuian forms and things like that. So uh, Primal Dialga was like, at least it's it's between the two Primal forms, it's still more consistent with Dialga's original form. Primal Palkia, like who decided that Primal Palkia needed to become a horse? Like. It is a little bit weird that I'm ranking it higher than Primal Dialga because Primal Dialga is at least somewhat consistent, like I just said. But like we went from a bipedal theropod like Pokemon to a, a literal horse. Like it's a horse. It's a horse, folks. Like I don't know who whose idea this was, but we got ourselves a primal horse. And I don't I don't dislike it. So it does feel a little bit weird that I've ranked it above some of the original Pokemon that have been introduced, like Sneasler and Amorous, Overquill, ranking it above those Pokemon, despite how weird their for their primal forms are. I mean, I'm trying to think personally, like what would have been a different way to conceive of their primal forms other than just making them bigger than normal? I'm like, I'm not entirely sure. And also because I feel like there's a lore explanation for it. So in the case of Primal Palkia and Primal Dialga, they clearly were made in, like, like not made, or, no, yes, made, um, made to imitate the form of Arceus, because Arceus is God, and the way I perceive uh, Palkia and Dialga is they are essentially just extensions of Arceus. They're, they are separate beings, but 
they still were created by Arceus, if that makes sense. So I don't totally, I'm not totally upset that they look as weird as they do because the way that their their legs appear, both as quadrupeds, it it definitely kind of reminds you of the um, the quadrupedal form that Arceus has because Arceus has some like uh, it has some certain like equine qualities and things like that. Uh, um, that kind of a thing. Like there's certain animalistic qualities that Arceus has that has certainly carried over in the forms of primal Dialga and primal Palkia. So for as weird as they look, at least there's an explanation for it because I would be, I would be more annoyed if these Pokemon didn't remind me of Arceus, but they do. Like the fact that neither of them have mouths, I'm like, that's just like Arceus because Arceus doesn't have a mouth. It just has kind of like, you could say almost like a helmet encasing its face in in that sense a primal dialga and primal hakia look like that so they they do genuinely remind me of arceus so at least there's a reason for it that's okay with me so i can accept their primal forms looking that weird but that's just me i can totally understand if people really dislike uh how these primal forms turned out then i need to start moving on in 14th i have a hisuian braviary this is a really cool update to the um to the pokemon the problem is that braviary has never been a pokemon i've like loved loved anyway it's not like one of those pokemon that's like oh my god yes i use a braviary on every team that i have in all of my pokemon games even where it's not possible to have it in the games it's still technically a more recent pokemon but anyways braviary it's just it it wasn't very memorable to begin with i would say hisuian braviary is a lot more memorable in more ways than one i just don't really i don't have like a humongous soft spot for it but I still rank it higher than the other things that came before it. In 13th, I have Cleavor. Very cool Pokemon. Um, really interesting evolutionary component to Scyther, because Scyther normally evolves into Scyzer, which it still can, right? And then, but then it can also evolve, evolve into Cleavor. Really cool. Um, uh, and uh, it's a scary Pokemon. Would not want to run into this, into this. It's got axes for arms. Like it's, it's a, it's a literal, weapon i'm like that's scary folks that's scary um then uh in 12th i have ursalona i just kind of found it a little bit funny that they made ursaring um uh quadrupedal and it's just or sorry they made ursaring's evolution which is ursaluna quadrupedal and just made it a really hefty pokemon um it just made the top 10 to be completely honest. I think it's just because it got it has that sad expression. I'm like, oh, Ursaluna, it's okay. Things are gonna get better. Like it's just it's just got a like a a really like soft expression in a way. Like it just it looks like it wouldn't hurt a fly, you know. Um, so that's that's cool. Then in um in 11th, I have Hisui and Sneasel. So it um it's 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 words it's a really interesting take on shifting around Sneasel's normal color palette giving it a completely different typing and just making it more interesting of course my actual experience with Sneasel like Hisui and Sneasel though is actually more in the sense that this Pokemon has chased me quite often like I wanted to get off my back but it's cool I I think it's 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 interesting in many ways um then uh uh we have in 10th I have Hisui and Lilligant really cool shift in design i do find it a little bit bland so the thing is is that i would say that between 13th and 9th place like the pokemon that i've ranked in these spots i think are somewhat interchangeable because i think i like them for a lot of the like a lot of the same reasons like cool updates or cool evolutions cool designs like new form type of thing but 
they're still like, it's just kind of meh. Like, I don't know, it doesn't really bring as much to the table as some other Pokemon that certainly rank higher than it. Um, like there's that that component to it. So Lilligant, I, I've always actually really liked that Pokemon. Um, and I do think it's really cool that they opted for this like dancer motif for the Pokemon. So it made it sleeker. It's now a fighting type, but I just find it a little bit bland. Like, I don't know. It, it's just, eh, eh, you know. Then in ninth, I have Weird Ear. So this was a really nice evolutionary um, shift for Stantler, because Stantler's another one of those Pokemon that's like, it's like Quillfish, really. Stantler and Quillfish, for me, fall within the same stratum of being Pokemon that are pretty forgettable. They don't appear in a lot of the games, so it's not like the kind that people are like, oh, did you use a Stantler on your team? Oh, I did, and I also used a Quillfish. Like, they're kind of in the same, the same category uh, of Pokemon, in my opinion. But I think it's really cool that they decided to give this Pokemon as well, that uh, this treatment where it gets an evolution. And Weird Ear is a really cool Pokemon. I love how like Santa-like it is and how wintry it is. It's just very poofy. It looks very soft and very nice, but very similar reasoning for ranking Lilligant in 10th uh, in 10th place. Um, uh, did I say Ursaluna's? Ursaluna's 12th, Sneasel's 11th, Lilligant's 10th, Weird Ear's 9th. The Cleavor's 13th. Yeah, so any of the Pokemon within these, I guess, spaces, um, they, I think, could just be interchangeable. I don't, I just kind of put them here. It's more of an arbitrary thing. Um, but I, I rank them all here for very similar reasons. But then we have an eighth place, Basculegion, just such a chaotic fish. It reminds me of another um, water type Pokemon that was introduced in Generation 7, known as Wishy Washy. And um, Wishy Washy. Uh, its whole thing was that once it hits a certain level, it develops this ability known as schooling. It, it's one of the weakest Pokemon in existence, but when it has schooling form, it basically becomes a gigantic school of wishy-washy. So it looks like a humongous fish and it becomes so much more powerful in this form. And uh, uh, and it, it makes it actually viable to use. So it's not just a weak fish. You can actually use use it, make something out of it. Um, so Basket Legion reminds me of that Pokemon, but for Basket Legion, there's a whole lot more going on with it, where it's like, it's like souped up on centuries of spite and hatred, like, man, is this thing intense. And it kind of reminds me of Salmon as well. Um, Salmon go through a very similar process as Basket, uh, Basculin in the sense that they have to swim upstream in order to procreate. But of course there are salmon sharks and salmon sharks prey on salmon, makes sense. So there's a lot of salmon that just get eaten and don't reach up the up, like they don't reach upstream. They don't reach that like spring or wherever they're planning to congregate. They don't reach that area. Basculin's story in Hisui is very similar to that in my opinion. And Basculegion has a wicked design. I think it's a really cool take on, um, it's, the thing is, is there have been so many fish uh, Pokemon over the years and not all of them have evolutions. And the ones that do are kind of bland, in my opinion. Like we have so many fish, but a lot of them are not very viable in battle or maybe their designs are just bleh. Like there's just so much more that could be done with them. And for me, Basket Legion is the perfect example of a Pokemon that's like this, 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 this is, this is what you need to do. This is how you make a fish Pokemon interesting. Um, cause there's so many, right? So Basket Legion for me really stands out. It's got a cool cry even. Again, the design is popping. Like it, this is a really, really awesome Pokemon. I really like it. That's why I chose it to be the thumbnail of this episode. Um, in seventh place, I have Avalug. 
um, Hisuian Avalug. This is really funny, folks, because a big reason why I like this Pokemon is its noble form. It's just humongous. It is absolutely humongous. And also there was just one day where I don't know what, like why I decided to do this, but I just had this idea that I'm like, what if I just catch like six Avalugs just, just for the heck of it? And I did, and it was just really funny seeing them all lined up in my in my uh, in the pastures, like seeing all the ones I caught. Um, it really entertained me because I call Avalugs tables, so I'm like, <laughs> I caught myself a bunch of tables, and for some reason that amused me so much, and that influenced me to rank Avalugs so high. I don't normally use this Pokemon. I really, I just really appreciate its design, and it is another one of those Pokemon that again got that's pretty forgettable, but gets this really nice treatment where it becomes an interesting Pokemon. It has a role in the story. It's not just there for whatever reason. Like I appreciate the fact that with Hisui, um, they chose Pokemon that were meant to be important. They chose Pokemon that are not like super famous. Like we're not seeing, there's not a shred of Charizard in this game and it's wonderful. We're not seeing a bunch of Pokemon that people already know so much about be at the forefront of this game or have a critical role in the story. You got Pokemon like Avalug um, or Lilligant, uh, Cleavor, uh, things like that. Like you have these new Pokemon, but also previously introduced Pokemon being important. Electro, that is a Pokemon again, that I also wouldn't have imagined to necessarily get the kind of treatment where it's actually part of the story. So. I kind of really like Avalug for very simplistic reasons. Then in sixth, I have Decidueye, Hisuian Decidueye. So I prefer normal Decidueye, but the lore that kind of surrounds Hisuian Decidueye is pretty interesting. It's like, it's fascinating in some ways. So considering that normal Decidueye is a grass ghost archer type of Pokemon, this one is grass fighting. And it's very reflective of the sense that Decidueye is more alive in Hisui than it is when you find it in Alola in Pokemon Sun and Moon and Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. I think it's a really interesting touch because the 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 giving it the typing of fighting, like I said, it gives it the sense that it's alive. When something's a ghost type, it evokes something more creepy, something more dead, like, and also knowing that Decidueye is based off of an extinct species of stilt owl that resided in Hawaii. So it's like, um, uh, it's very interesting for that reason. And plus there's that connection to Tengu um, as well, that I'm like, th there's just so much going on, I think, with Hisui and Decidueye. Potential connections, obviously, but there's a whole lot going on. And the, the choice to make it a fighting type I think truly reflects that it's like, this is probably how Decidueye was technically meant to be in some ways. Um, and in a way, like, it's like, this is before the Stiltel went extinct. So that's why it's it's alive. So it's a fighting type. Like, uh, just, I, I just really, really appreciate that. Even if I'm not the biggest on its design, like I think, for example, I prefer Basket Legion's design for uh, compared to Decidueye. Um, uh, and maybe even Avalug, for example, Hisuian Avalug. Like, Design-wise, it's not my favorite, but because it has a lot of like interesting lore to it and a lot of background um, uh, that characterizes how it appears and why it appears the way that it does, I think that's why I've decided to rank it as high as I have. In fifth place, I have Hisui and Samurai. I love how edgy it looks compared to its modern form. Love red and black, that's always a win for me. Um, and I've also just always liked Samurai, to be completely honest. So I'm like, this is a solid Pokemon. I really like it. I mean, 
compared to Hisuian Decidueye and Hisuian Typhlosion, it's not a humongous shift from how Samurott normally looks. So it's it's probably out of the three starters, the one that looks the least different from its modern form. But I mean, that's also interesting in its own way. So I think that's really cool. And of course, it's like it's a samurai sea, sea lion. Like it's that's cool. I'll take that. In fourth, I have Hisuian Voltorb. I mean, this Pokemon's just adorable. I mean, it's an anthropomorphized Pokeball. Sure, we have Voltorb, like modern Voltorb for that too. But Hisuian Voltorb is just so endearing. And I honestly think what influences me to rank it this high is the the little uh, animated short they released prior to the like the the animated short they dropped prior to the release of this game and how it just showed Hisuian Voltorb wanting to eat berries. It eventually makes friends and shares the berries with all the other Pokemon. It's just really wholesome. And, and I'm just like, you know what? This, this Pokemon's great. I, I think it's awesome. Um, in third place, I have Hisuian Typhlosion. I mean, this was my starter. So of course I have a humongous soft spot for it. Love the little bit of lore they added to it because there's it seems like a bunch of different yokai influenced uh, its design and creation and things like that. It's so it's just so chill. How could anyone dislike it? Like I don't know. It's it's great. It's great. It really grew on me. All of the Hisuian starter forms really grew, uh, grew on me. I mean, Hisuian Samurai I liked right off the bat, but it took me some time to get used to Hisuian Decidueye. Slightly less time to get used to Hisuian Typhlosion. Like I was so happy to have these Pokemon. I think they're I think again they're great. They're great. Um, in second place, I have Tide. Uh, for second, Hisuian Arcanine and Hisuian Zoroark. These Pokemon just have phenomenal design. Like it's so, it's so cool. Um, Arcanine just looks so, Hisuian Arcanine just looks so epic. And there's something so foreboding about Hisuian Zoroark. Like to find that thing in the wild or something like that would be genuinely terrifying. Like it's, it's very scary, very ominous. Um, and Hisuian Arcanine is just very majestic. It's just so, so cool. Um, I mean, I was thinking about, because I, I haven't looked too much into what Arcanine could have been based off of, but Zoroark's characteristic of having the ability to create illusions and stuff, I feel like potentially draws off the Kitsune B's ability to shapeshift and things like that. Uh, but Zoroark is a lot more malevolent by comparison. Like Kitsune B is supposed to be this, this yokai that uh, signifies when harvest will be coming, if you see it. Um, but Zoroark is not that kind of creature, obviously um so it's interesting um but yeah two very very well designed pokemon very interesting type well okay zorark has really interesting typing fire rock not so great but it's kind of, it's really it's really cool it's still it's still great and it does uh, really match arca hisuian arcanine's design and then in first place this was a no-brainer for me i already knew that i'd be ranking these two pokemon in first but i have hisuian growlith and hisuian zorua these they're just so they're just so adorable i'm just like uh i'm just they're just so great and um hisui and growlith having like the its mane of hair covering its face and it's just so fluffy and it's it's just, it's just such a phenomenal dog i'm like would love to have it as a pet it's so great and the same could be said for hisui and zoro i love how wispy it's its fur is and the red and white so cool such an interesting uh choice uh for for making it a normal ghost type because the thing is is that sometimes it's like there's some pokemon out there that look a certain way and it doesn't quite match their typing but there's something kind of just like i said with zoro like hisui and zoro there's just something a bit like foreboding or something that's just a little bit off with zoroa even to an extent and it's like the design plays so much into that though 
Um, and because you, where you find it in the game, it like almost perfectly camouflages with its surroundings if you like go to the right place kind of thing. But it's like, it's, it's just so, so, so cool. I think these are phenomenal Pokemon, really love them. Uh, and I just find them endearing in their own ways, even if the kind of lore that surrounds them is that they hate humans. It's okay, it's fine, it's fine. It's great, it's great. Love these Pokemon. So yeah, this was my uh, ranking on uh, these Hisuian uh, forms, evolutions, and new Pokemon. So now I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna quickly, uh, I'm just gonna quickly conclude this episode on why I did this in the first place, I suppose. I don't know. It's gonna be a conclusion of some form. So here I am uh, concluding this episode, hopefully kind of sort of. I just wanted to mention some kind of last minute thoughts I had uh, while concluding. So what I find really interesting is that there's a lot of new fighting, poison, and ghost types. So these types for me all fall within the vein of things being spiteful, aggressive, that characteristic of being dead, like uh, Basque Legion is a perfect example for that being water ghost because it's composed of the souls of dead basculine that could never achieve their dreams. How happy is that? That's that's so pleasant sounding, right? That kind of a thing. Or the fact that Hisuian Sneasel and Sneasler are really aggressive and Sneasler in particular is a solitary creature. It has, it possesses a virulent poison. Like this is a dangerous creature. Um, and fighting types, of course, in the case of Hisuian Decidui, Hisuian Lilligant, like their whole thing is that uh, like, I mean, so if we were to compare that to their modern forms, I mean, modern Lilligant is just kind of like, it's just chill. It's just wearing a gigantic flower dress type of thing. It's a very unassuming creature. And then, um, no, like, modern Decidui is like, it's got the whole archer motif based off of that extinct species of bird. So it's like, it's got a whole thing going for it. But their fighting forms as Hisuian, like, as Hisuian Pokemon are vastly different. Like, they feel like very different Pokemon, despite them actually being the same Pokemon. Um, so, all of these types or the choice to present these types and even to an extent dark types if you will right but like more so it, uh, what i've seen is fighting poison ghost those are i think the most consistent new ones that have appeared maybe some rock here and there but they feel reflective of the turbulence in this uh in this era of the pokemon universe because pokemon are repeatedly noted in this game as being dangerous creatures you'll always have a character tell you that it's like be safe out there it's very dangerous Pokemon can hurt you. These are very real threats and you're not safe out there. Like it, it, it's, it's, it's very, um, it's very interesting that for me, these types best reflect that sentiment, but it also feels intentional that they chose to give Pokemon like these new forms and these characteristics and made those design changes. Like it, it feels very intentional to me for these reasons, because uh, it would be more in line to have a bunch of Pokemon with these new forms or evolutions to be super chaotic and dangerous. I mean, there is the exception of, uh, um, uh, there is the exception with a couple Pokemon that are not totally uh, malevolent. Like for example, Hisuian Gudra is apparently not supposed to be that aggressive. I mean, it'll still attack you in the game, but I don't think it's, it's characterized as being as spiteful as Hisuian Zoroark by comparison. Like, I don't think it's, it's like that. I don't think it's on that level. Um, so just really interesting choices for, uh, um, for the just interesting type choices 
for these new Pokemon. And I appreciate it. Of course, what the heck happened to Dialga and Palkia? Like I have discussed already that I have accepted these primal forms, but still, I have no idea why, how did, what, just, I don't know. Um, so, uh, anyways, Hisuian Pokemon are just creative in their own ways, and I can really appreciate that there's this, like, kind of, uh, what's it called? Aesthetically speaking, it does feel very connected to what, I, what I've discussed multiple times now, which is this yokai tradition that exists in Japanese history. The idea of documenting monsters and how um, Hisuian, uh, or sorry, in Hisui, that's your whole, like, goal. And there were people like that in Japanese history. Um, the source that I used, um, the person who cataloged uh, the yokai that I was referencing, his name is uh, Toriyama Sekien, and it's like he was one of those people that he cataloged these creatures and wrote about them, either based off of previous mythologies and just created a gigantic compendium. Uh, and that's, that's essentially what you're doing in this game. So because there's all these different cool threads that tie together in this game between still following Pokemon logic and having these types, but then the types being able to reflect this era in the world, but then the, histor the historical thread where it does very much feel like there are genuine connections to be made. I just really appreciate that. I uh, really appreciate that in so many ways. Made it a lot of uh, fun to rank because of course, that's the way my brain is. I can't just simply rank something. It needs to be all complicated and stuff. I need to go into lore. I need to, I need to look at history. It needs to research. It's fun. I like it. I like it. It's great. And for me, this is personally more of like a, a starting point, to be completely honest, for how I eventually will plan to theorize about lore in this game. There is so much to cover when it comes to uh, the various historical threads that can also be connected elsewhere, not just even about the design of the Pokemon. Um, or their characteristics, like even more than that. And also just broad themes, such as the role of legendary Pokemon in the game, the number of legendary Pokemon that can be found in this game. Um, there's a, a bunch of different topics I really want to cover at some point. Um, and yeah, this was kind of my starting point for that. But of course, because I'm here to rank Pokemon, I didn't want to go down that rabbit hole as I've actively tried to avoid this entire time. So this was the Lore Research Lab's findings on ranking Hisuian Pokemon, looking at Pokemon Legends Arceus. Thanks for tuning in, folks, and I'll see you next time.